This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. All right, good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I just want to say you are some fun people. Isn't it good to come to church and just uh, have a good time together? I hope uh, you have enjoyed uh, our football Sunday uh, so far. We've got a couple more surprises we're going to get to in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to just uh, say welcome to everybody, especially if you happen to be new with us today. We want to say welcome. Thank you for being here. We want to encourage everybody to reach into the seat back in front of them and to grab a connect card. Uh, On that connect card, you can uh, uh, give us lots of information, um, obviously, but also on the back, uh, there is uh, decisions that you've made. You can mark uh, prayer requests. You can write down other things that you just want us to know about. So that's an important thing here. It's a tool we use uh, to know how to pray for people and just to kind of gauge uh, some things happening around Journey. And so we want to encourage you uh, to take a moment and fill that out. It's our desire uh, to have one of those from every family here today. So if you would take a moment, fill that out. At the end of our gathering, uh, our ushers will come and they'll take our offering and you can slip that card into the offering basket. Uh, With that, uh, let me just pause, pray for us, and then we'll kind of get into our topic today. Dear God, we're thankful for you being here in this place. We're thankful that you provide a, a place that's safe, that we can have a good time together, God, that we can learn about you. My prayer is that our hearts are open to you today, God, because we believe that you have something to say to every single one of us today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, again, welcome to uh, a Football Sunday, to uh, Super Bowl Sunday here at Journey Church. And we've decided we want to have some fun together on this day. And so uh, many of you, you already know, right, that the Super Bowl is a big deal. Uh, in some of these things, uh, but I wondered if you knew how big a deal it is. Any guess on how many people are expected to watch the Super Bowl tonight? He guesses? 100 million, yeah. Uh, last year, I believe it was 114 million people watched the Super Bowl. It was broadcast in 34 languages. Uh, if you wanted to uh, write a check to do a Journey Church ad that lasted about 30 seconds on the Super Bowl, anybody know how much that would cost us? 100 million. Uh, I I believe it's uh, the going rate is about $5 million for 30 seconds. Here's my favorite one. Did you know that the Super Bowl is really good for players? That's obvious, right? Uh, If you win the Super Bowl, every player on the team, no matter what kind of deal they have, they get a $97,000 bonus. Did you know that? I didn't know that. If you lose, you get a $49,000 bonus. That's really good for the players, right? It's bad for chickens. Bad for chickens. Okay, 110 million people are going to watch the Super Bowl. Guess how many chicken wings we're going to eat tonight? It's a lot more. 1.25 
billion, that's B with a billion, chicken wings. All tonight. That's a lot of chickens. Uh, well, uh, uh, so today we hope you're in the football spirit. And uh, uh, we know that so many people are. We thought, why don't we just join in and have some fun with it? And so uh, we want to turn some of this kind of football spirit also into some faithfulness. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But we have one more kind of surprise, one more fun thing we want to do uh, together. And so I'm going to ask Heidi Taren. She's got a game uh, that we're going to play together that we're going to use to predict the winner of the Super Bowl tonight. So uh, listen up. I'm going to come down here and participate. Is that all right, Heidi? All right. So for this game, we're just going to play it in the center section. So I need everyone on the outside to come up and squish into the middle. It doesn't matter which row you pick. If you really don't want to play, you can stay on the side and that should be a safe zone. Because that is out of bounds. <laughs> so if you come into the middle and you just kind of squish in and just pick a spot, and I think I'm going to need at least one person in this area and one person oh, you guys come between on the right. back row and the doors. Okay. One more spot. Okay, and you know what, Joe? We didn't talk about how long this game is supposed to Two last. Two minutes. Two minutes. Okay, good. All right, so now, if you are in the second row, the one that Randy and Laura and Daniel and Kayla are in. This is the second row. I want you to stand up and face the back, and then every other row faces the back. So you guys So the other rows keep facing the front. Yep, there you go. Yeah. All right, so this row right here, I need you. Yep, perfect, perfect. Okay. So which, the important thing, Heidi, is we need to know which side is which, like, Okay, so the Patriots are now facing the back, and the Eagles are facing the stage. Uh. (laughs) Okay, now this is going to be kind of like volleyball. We're going to pop the, I have a giant ball here. I'm going to pass it, and you got to pass it over, and it's got to hit the floor in the end zones. The end zones are before the front row and behind the back row. So those people in that first row and last row, you are the... Last line of defense. I think you guys are facing this way, though. No, they're this. Yeah, you're this way. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And do we have a last line of defense in the back? Okay. All right. All right, ready? Yep. Here we go. Oh, oh. (laughs) There's no, the music's gone. Going that way. Oh. Oh, that's getting close. Oh, it's out of bounds. Bring it back in and start it over. So, Brian, just go back to your row and start it in. Oh, oh, big hit, big hit. Oh, 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 that's one for the Patriots. All right, kick off. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's always good to have to use No, that worked. That counted. That counted. It's tied. It's tied. I will. I'll tell you exactly what to do. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, that's out. Bring it back in and start it. It's 1-1. Or 6-6. Oh, oh. Oh, two for the Patriots. We're now 2-1. Two for... All right, here it goes, here it goes. Come on, Eagles. 
Patriots are taller. This, I think they have a taller lineup. Oh, 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 oh! Oh, no, I'm going to count it. I'm going to count it. It's 3-2. 17 seconds. This is it, Eagles' last drive. Uh, oh, we, we can't get you guys to stop. All right, if you can find your way back to your seats. So just for posterity, what was the score? 3-2 Three, two. Three, Patriots. All right. Obviously, it's not going to be that score, but... Well, you guys, again, thank you for just having uh, fun with us today and just uh, kind of getting in again to the football spirit. What a good time. Um, so now we're going to have to see if, uh, if we win our prediction, our prediction game here with the Patriots do end up winning tonight. All right, well, uh, with all this football talk, we're, we are going to get serious here in just a moment, but uh, with all this football talk, we thought it would be a good thing to just start by hearing from uh, a football player. And so we have a video this morning uh, from a quarterback named Matt Hasselback. He played several years ago, and uh, he's a three-time Pro Bowl player. He made it to the Super Bowl in 2005 with the Seattle Seahawks. He is a sports uh, uh, analyst for ESPN. ESPN's uh, Sunday Night Countdown. And so uh, we're going to just enjoy listening to him talk for a moment about football, but also about faith. So enjoy this with me. My dad played football. When people would ask me what I wanted to do when I grew up, I would say, I don't know, I just guess I'll just play in the NFL like my dad. I was drafted in the sixth round, pick 187. I can remember when I got the call from the Green Bay Packers. Andy Reid, the quarterback's coach, calls me and he says, uh, hey, uh, tell me what you think about this next pick. And I'm looking at the ticker and it's like Green Bay Packers. It starts flashing and it's my name. And I'm thinking, you guys are fools. <laughs> no one else is going to draft me. I throw the phone up. I'm like, we're celebrating. I pick the phone back up. I'm like, hey, uh, coach, you know no one is probably going to draft me. You know, like, you didn't need to draft me. But I was fired up. I get there, and I, and I see they've got a ton of quarterbacks. But my coach came in, and he, he kind of instilled some confidence in me that I didn't have in myself. And one of the first things he says to me, he's like, listen, you need to believe that you can be the backup quarterback for this team. kind of like he was a little churchy for me I don't know I was just very suspicious come to find out through uh, years of being with him and then um, you know seeing him go through things in his life that the dude was legit and he was a good friend and a great teammate I got in the elevator and I was like critical of what the chaplain had talked about I was like man 
I'm so glad this guy that I invited said no on our team because the chaplain's never going to reach that guy with that kind of a message. And Trent looks at me, he's like, it's not the chaplain's job to reach that guy. It's the chaplain's job to teach you so that you can reach that guy. And I was like, whoa, really? <laughs> I'm good at teaching a young quarterback the playbook. Hey, what do you do here on uh, Fox 2X? Like, oh, dude, the play action's the whole deal. And I'm going to tell you, nine out of ten times you're throwing the tight end. Unless they're in quarters coverage, you're going to throw the post. But otherwise, you're going to go to tight end right to the X. And I guarantee you the X is going to be open every single time. Unless they're playing two-man on the backside, or it's press, pump, and run, then you're going to have your fullback. And it'll be an easy game. It'll be second and four. Like, I, I know that. I can give that away. I can share. And not only can I run the play, I can teach you the play. And so I wasn't at a point with my faith that I could share it in a way that I knew it. Like, I knew the playbook. Like, I was the starter. You know, I was like a rookie. Even though I had had the playbook for years, I didn't really know it. I wasn't making disciples. I was introducing people to the chapel and feeling good about myself. There was a moment for me where I really felt something powerful that I can't even explain. It was last year, uh, we were at a conference type thing. And uh, I had invited our two young quarterbacks. I was like, man, I hope it's okay for them. I hope they like it. I mean, I, I like it. I hope they like it. And they were teaching on, this, on baptism. And uh, I'm like walking to them thinking like, hey, I was going to tell my baptism story about like, hey, I, just, I know it's a little, I, I don't know how you feel about this. And, uh, and both of them and their wives said, hey, um, our team chaplain's not here. Would you be willing to baptize us? And I was just like, like, are you kidding me? God is present in all things, big or small, all the time. He can do anything He wants to do with anyone He wants to do, through anyone He wants to do it with. I love that last line. Did you, did you catch it? Uh, God is uh, present in all things. He can do anything that he wants to do through anyone he wants to do it. Um, that's something I pray you believe today. It's, uh, it's something that, in fact, uh, one of the really interesting things, if we zoom out from the Bible, from the New Testament, one of the things that we see Jesus continually doing is he's always doing the impossible, and he's doing it through the improbable. He, Jesus is... Uh, healing people. He's, he's teaching these large crowds, but he's not in the synagogue. He's not uh, where all the Roman kind of officials gathered up. He's out in the wilderness. He's in people's houses. He's in the street. He's got these disciples around him. These people that he's investing in, that he's, he's spending every day with, these people that matter so much to him, but they're not rich. They're not powerful. They don't have special religious training. They wouldn't have been picked by anybody else. But this is a group of people who look at Jesus and they see God at work and they say, count me in. 
count me in. Sometimes, sometimes that's something that we lose sight of. And we think there are better players to go onto the field. And so we stay on the sideline. We forget what Jesus is really looking for. is isn't a certain set of skills. It's not a certain educational background. It's not a certain behavior. Jesus is looking for people who see God at work and they say, count me in whatever it is. Many, many Super Bowls ago, Jesus was uh, with his team, his disciples, and they were all huddled up. The crowds were all around. They were cheering. It was a big deal. And Jesus kind of gathered his team. He's in the huddle with them, and he says this, today I'm going to pass the ball. I'm going to throw it to every one of you. Some of you are going to run the wrong route, and the ball is going to get intercepted. Some of you are going to run and you're going to have the ball hit you right in the hands and you're going to hold on to it for a second and then you're going to fumble it. You're going to let it go. It's going to slip through your fingers. You're going to have butter fingers. Others still are going to catch the ball. You're going to tuck it in. You're going to run down, but then you're going to get really worried about that linebacker who's coming at you and you're going to fumble the ball. You're going to drop it. So others of you are going to catch the ball and you're going to tuck it in and you're going to run 30, 60, 90, all the way to the touchdown, to the goal line. Some of you are looking at me a little crazy. Okay, Jesus didn't say exactly that. But if we look at Matthew chapter 13, I think you're going to see that he said some things pretty similar. This is Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Jesus says it like this. Uh, This is kind of an interesting part of, sorry, just a little background on where we're at in the book of Matthew. It's it's this part where Jesus is describing what is the kingdom of God going to look like. And what he does is he goes back to all of these parables and he tells five parables in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at one of them today. This is verse 1. That same day when Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake, such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore so he could speak to them. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. It was intercepted. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have so much soil, and it sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. And so when the sun came up, the plants were scorched by the sun, and they withered because they didn't have roots, they had butterfingers. They bobbled a perfectly good pass. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. They caught it, but they fumbled. 
Still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what was sown. A little while later, Jesus is uh, talking with his disciples and he explains this parable to them. And he says this, this is verses 18 through 23. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Let me explain it for you. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once he receives it with joy. He takes it in, but since he has no root, it doesn't take root in his life. It lasts only a short time. Trouble comes. Persecution comes because of the word and it quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, make it unfruitful. But the one who received, received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and and understands it. And he produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. Lots of things uh, change in this passage. It's important to note, though, a couple of things that don't change. The farmer never changes. He does the same thing. The seed, it never changes. He throws the same seed everywhere. Or if you like our football analogy, the quarterback, the football, it doesn't change. But the ground, the receiver does. Jesus, in this parable, he's telling us that he doesn't change, his plans don't change, his dreams for the world don't change. His plan to redeem humanity through grace and forgiveness, it doesn't change. What changes is our hearts. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about the soil. Sometimes when God speaks, our hearts are hard. We see that happen several times in Scripture. And the message is simply intercepted. It's taken away. Sometimes... Uh, When God speaks, our hearts are shallow. We receive God's word for a time. We hold on to it. Uh, I love how in the scripture it says that the ground received it with great joy. It was excited about it, but it didn't take root. It didn't go deep within us. It didn't take root in our heart and our life. It didn't direct us. God's word didn't direct us. It didn't take root. And so when trouble comes... When difficulty happens, sometimes when just time passes by, it never comes to fruit. Scripture says the sun comes up and it gets scorched and the seed dies. Some of our hearts, when God speaks, 
are distracted. We have distracted hearts. This is the one I think we struggle with so much. We're so worried about all the other things happening in the world, all the other places we're supposed to be, all the other things that we are supposed to be doing. God's word says that that worry chokes out the plant that's supposed to be growing in our life, the the produce. It chokes out the seed. Says those worries, all those preoccupations, all that uh, other things where where our mind wanders and distracts us away from God. It's like weeds. It's interesting how Jesus talks about these, though. He kind of states these conditions of our heart as just simple facts. He doesn't really judge uh, these people. He's just saying, you know, I scattered seed and some fell here on the path and some fell in the rocky soil and some fell here. He doesn't judge. That comes later in another parable. But in this one, he's not kind of worried about the seed and where it falls. One of the things that it seems like he's trying to do is he's trying to set up this contrast. This contrast between uh, the rocky soil, the hard soil, the shallow soil, and the good soil. The heart that's hard or shallow or distracted, and the heart that's ready to accept him. To let his word and his direction go deep within. It's that second group that Jesus wants to really focus in on. And he says some interesting things that we miss because we're not first century farmers. In Jesus' day, this is long before kind of modern farming techniques. And so uh, a farmer uh, literally had some ground and he had a bag of seed and he just reached in and he kind of threw it out. And wherever it landed, it landed just like Jesus told. And in those days, it it was expected maybe you would get a yield of seven or eight times what was thrown out. If the very best things happened, if everything happened just right and the water came, uh, the rain came just at the right time, and the soil happened to be good soil, maybe you would get ten times. It's like a, a miracle when you got ten times what was sown. But Jesus says, when the seed that he throws gets planted in good soil, in a good heart that's ready to receive him, do you remember what it said? The harvest will be 30, 60, 100 times. I mean, that was unheard of in Jesus' day. The farmers would have been just aghast at that. They couldn't comprehend a harvest that that was that big, that large, that abundant. Jesus is saying, when God's word takes root in our heart, when it goes deep within us, when it directs us, we don't have a normal life. We have a super abundant life. We don't have just above average. We have a life we can't hardly imagine. 
One commentator on this passage said this. It says, Jesus is not saying that all Christians, you know, will bear fruit and some will bear a little bit and some will bear a little bit more. It's saying that he says, no, what Jesus is really saying is that all Christians are going to bear fruit. Some are going to bear a lot. Some are going to bear a lot more and some are going to bear a lot, lot more. So my question, my question for you today. It's really the same question that Jesus, when he sat with his disciples, was asking as he explained this passage. What's the condition of the soil in your heart? What's the condition of your heart? What is it like? Is it hard? Is it shallow? to kind of take God's, take God's word in at first and, and receive it with great joy and everything's looking good. But then the first sign of trouble, uh, when a little bit of time passes, when some of the emotion and excitement go by, it all disappears. Is it distracted? Is your heart distracted just by all the different places you're supposed to be, all the demands that are placed on you, all the things you feel like you're supposed to be doing? Or is your heart ready to receive? Is it ready to receive God's word deeply? My prayer My prayer as I thought about this passage this week, as I thought about you this week, my prayer has been that it's the latter. You're ready to receive God's word and God's word deep into you. It's no wonder that Jesus, just a few chapters before he talks about um, God it's a word coming into good soil and there being super abundant harvest. Just before that, in Matthew chapter 7, he says this. By their fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them. He's talking about his disciples. By their fruit, you will recognize them. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So what do we do today? What do we do if we look at our life and we say, you know what, I'm probably not producing the kind of fruit I know God wants me to produce. What do we do if for the first time or the hundredth time we say, you know, the soil of my heart, the condition of my heart maybe is a bit distracted. Maybe it's shallow. Whatever it is, it's not right. What do we do this morning if we're uh, struggling with a heart that's just angry or bitter What do we do if we have a heart that's apathetic or tired? What steps can we take to soften our hearts? To make our hearts ready to receive God's word and to have the kind of abundant harvest that God says should happen in our life? 
I've got three ways to soften our hearts today. The first is to repent. When we look at Scripture and we talk about making any kind of change in our life, in our heart, the place Scripture always points us to is repentance. To name what was wrong, what, uh, where we started to take a direction, a wrong turn. To name that and to ask God to forgive it and to believe that God will be who he says he is and he says he will forgive. So we have to repent if we want to soften our hearts. Next thing is to remember to remember, to think back to what brought you to faith, what life was like before God, to remember the thrill of trusting God in the big things, in the small things, to remember how you fell in love with Scripture, the excitement you experienced when you prayed, to remember all the ways God was with you. The last is to repeat. We do the things we did at first. Oftentimes when a couple goes to, to counseling, maybe they're having a hard time in their relationship. And one of the things that uh, oftentimes the counselor will do is they'll say, do you remember what it was like when you first started? Do you remember what it was like when you were dating, when you first met? Do you remember what it was like when you couldn't be away from each other? Because it's important that we remember those feelings. And then we have to understand that if we want to feel that way again, we have to do what we did back then. We have to repeat. Spend time together. Talk relish the opportunities we have to be with one another. It's not that different when we are softening our hearts for God. We need to spend time with him. Make him a priority. Make a point of reconnecting with him, of enjoying that time, just being thankful. So again, we need to repent of our distractions. What keeps us from him, what turns our heart from him. We need to remember all that God has been, uh, been through with us, all he has done for us. And we need to repeat. Repeat the things we did at first. Reconnect with him through prayer and scripture, through a grateful heart. These things... These things will soften our hearts, make our hearts ready to receive God's word. And then what happens next, God says, is an abundant harvest in our life. Abundant fruit will come. Daniel's going to come and close us with a song as I pray for us today. Dear God, today we have 
read this passage that talks about all the ways our heart can respond to you. Hey God, you shared that parable with disciples 2,000 years ago, and the truth is the human heart hasn't changed that much. And so all across this room, all across uh, whoever hears this talk on a podcast, they know that really there's four ways we respond. A hard heart, a heart that is shallow, that kind of accepts your word at first, it receives it with great joy, but then trouble or time passes by and it just disappears. There's the heart that is distracted, that receives your word, that takes it in, but then uh, it's so worried about all the other things that are happening, we just let it go. We just fumble right out of our life. And God, there are hearts who are ready to receive. God, today, help our hearts to be ready to receive you, whether that's for the first time. God, maybe you're just trying to say something to our life. Maybe our heart is tired. Maybe we're just distracted, like the parable said. Maybe our heart is just, it's so good at kind of accepting it at first, but for whatever reason, it doesn't take hold. It doesn't get roots in our life. And God, my prayer today for myself, for every person in this room is, God, we do those things to make our hearts ready to To prepare our hearts, we repent. We name what has taken us away from you, God, and we ask you to forgive it, and we believe that you will come into our life and make a change in us, that you will be who you say you are, that you are a forgiver. We remember all the ways you have been with us. We repeat all those things we did at first how excited we were to connect with you. Prayer through scripture, just to have you in our life. Help all of those things to happen so that when you speak, our hearts are ready. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you.